Good evening and welcome back to the Rich Swish Sports Show. Um, very big day today, Super Bowl Saturday. It's a little bit of a special. Basically going to cover just the Super Bowl today. Um, don't really plan on talking about anything else. Maybe might talk about Carson Wentz, potential landing spots uh, near the end of this show. But let's get started. So welcome back wherever, whenever. Um, sheesh, I kind of forgot my thing, but, uh, yeah, welcome back. Thank you all for coming to listen to this. Again, we are shortly going to switch over to YouTube. Well, the podcast will still be running. I'll just have, you know, little segments going on YouTube as well to make things easier for you guys. But here we are. So on the night before the matchup, Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, and Patrick Mahomes, who is probably the best quarterback of all time in terms of skill set, you know. And, yeah, I guess that's a pretty wild way to open the show, but let's get right to it, man. Patrick Mahomes is definitely, like, the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. Um, I think previously I would have given that to Aaron Rodgers. But, I mean, what Mahomes has done in just three years of starting has just been unreal. You know, first year as a starter, MVP, gets to the AFC Championship, basically loses on, um, I don't really like the overtime rules, so I I don't think it was a fair opportunity for him, but loses to the Patriots in his first year as a starter in the championship game in a costly D Ford offside penalty. So that was also a winnable game. Second year, becomes a Super Bowl champion. I mean... Can't ask for a better start to that. And then third year, here we are back again, talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs looking to win their second straight Super Bowl while Tom Brady tries to get his seventh ring. Seven. Just amazing. Uh, What a career from Brady. So the way I want to start things off is, I mean, if you guys haven't figured, let's talk about the quarterbacks. I want to talk about what separates Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes from the rest of the league. Tom Brady now, Tom Brady isn't exactly the most skilled quarterback. He never has been. You know, he doesn't have, he, he's never had the strongest arm in the league. He's clearly not mobile at all. Can't give you, like, that much outside of just pure accuracy. He's one of what I'd call a dying breed of quarterbacks in the NFL today. He's probably like him and, you know, Drew Brees, but Drew Brees is probably, I'm like, 99% sure he's retiring. So Drew Brees and Tom Brady were like the last staple of quarterbacks that you can just rely on accuracy and dominate the game. In the NFL today, there are so many quarterbacks who are basically versatile to when when you're scouting quarterbacks, like accuracy doesn't always make you the number one guy. We saw it with Tua Tagovailoa last year, easily the most accurate quarterback coming out of college. But because of the skill sets of Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, of course, there was questions about whether Tua was uh, the number two, number three quarterback on the board. He obviously ended up did becoming um, the second quarterback taken off the board, but he very clearly had the worst rookie season out of the first three. And this is mainly because, um, you know, the foundation that has to be set is a lot harder nowadays. You know, offenses thrive off creativity nowadays so to just be accurate in today's NFL 
usually for young quarterbacks, it just doesn't get the job done. But for a guy like Tom Brady, who's been in this league for so long, um, almost since I was born, basically. I was born in 98. I think he ended the league around 2000 to 2001. Could be mistaken on that. But, um, yeah, and we're still here talking about a 43-year-old Tom Brady entering another Super Bowl. It just never gets old. And, you know, what Tom Brady does is, you know, for one, again, going back, he's just super accurate. He can make any throw on the dime, and he makes the best reads. His intelligence and accuracy are what propel him to dominate um, as he does. And as far as, let's switch over to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys that he might have, like, the greatest skill set ever. First of all, he has a cannon of an arm. You know, just to put it in perspective, right? And I know Madden and their ratings are usually just, you know, bad and kind of skewed toward media bias. But the fact is, is they made a, they have these things called X factors, which basically highlight a player's special ability and you're able to use it in the game. Now, there have been plenty of strong arm quarterbacks before. Uh, the guy we talked about last episode, Matt Stafford, Drew Brees in his prime had a really big cannon, and so did Aaron Rodgers. But they literally made the ability called Bazooka, which was just tailor-made just for Patrick Mahomes because he can just, he can literally just bomb it. And, you know, I think Josh Allen isn't that far behind him, but, like, from an overall skill set, right, he's got the strongest arm of the league, he's mobile, he's smart, he's a very smart runner. He knows how to pick his times, may, also makes the right read. And I think, you know, coming out of college, he was more so just like a chucker. You know, he would just bomb it deep. And it was kind of like, okay, you get, you get some, you lose some, right? But learning behind Alex Smith helped him so much in becoming more decisive and making the right reads that he's just so smart now. Like, there are very rare times, especially in these playoffs, I mean, in these playoffs, I can't think of a single time that I've looked at a Patrick Mahomes throw and been like, that's a bad decision. You know what I'm saying? In the regular season, we'll just go with the idea that they were coasting it. Because down the line, after everything had been clinched, of course, he had those couple bad games, one against Miami, one against Atlanta. And it just seemed like they weren't even trying at that point. But yeah, I mean, he has a great arm, obviously. Smart runner, makes great reads. Uh, can move around in the pocket so nice. Like, this guy breaks sacks at an outstanding rate because he doesn't have the greatest offensive line. And that's going to be a talking point later because obviously one of their tackles went down with an injury as well. So, skill sets aside, there's something that unites Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, right? Because when you put them next to each other as just individual talents, Patrick Mahomes wipes Brady. From just a talent standpoint. But what brings them together is the ability to lead their teams. And Tom Brady is just a fantastic leader. And I know, like, you know, people want to nitpick a lot, right? And, you know, look at the times that Tom Brady's, like, sulking. Or, like, you know, he's very furious, saying a lot of things on the field. But then you also have those moments where he's, you know, coaching guys up. Stuff like that. He's, he's getting his receivers, talking to his receivers on how they can help him, 
help them, right? And that's something you don't really get from that many quarterbacks, I feel like. And who, well, who can coach you better than the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady? Like, when I look at Aaron Rodgers, right, the talent, I mean, prior to Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback ever. Um, I'd say Dan Marino has an argument for that. But, uh, like, the way that guy just kind of looks off his receivers, gives them, like, death glares, and, you know, sulks as well. It doesn't seem like he has a connection with any of his teammates as much. Like, you know, when you watch him on the Pat McAfee show, it's like, okay, Aaron Rodgers seems like a really cool dude, laid back, all this stuff. But when you watch him in the game, it's like, damn, I kind of don't want to play with this guy. Like, yeah, he's he's super talented, right? He's an amazing product. But he just sort of comes off his route. There's, um... There's a clip of him like telling his defense, right, that they need to get a stop before Rodgers like messed up multiple opportunities that the defense created to him. But while he's telling the defender, right, that they need the def- that he needs the defense to lock in and get a stop, the defense is like not even looking at him and just kind of, you know, hearing and kind of getting to where he needs to go. If Tom Brady or even Mahomes were to do that, you know, you can guarantee these guys will listen. And with Mahomes, I mean, the most pure, obvious example I can think of happened just two weeks ago against the Bills. The Bills got off to a 9-0 start. I think it's pretty forgettable given how the way the game turned out. But Nicole Hardman fumbled a punt return, which led to a very easy touchdown. And, you know, you saw the camera go to Nicole. He's going to the to the benches. He's very stressed. He's very He seems very sad about it. Which, again, makes sense. You know, it's part of the game. Don't want to make a mistake early. Totally understandable. And he puts, um, I don't even know what it is. It's something like a cape or something. but or Maybe it was a towel. But uh, puts that over his head. Seems to be sulking. Patrick Mahomes immediately comes up. You know, hey, hey, hey. You know, we got this. The game just started. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to get you back out there. Like, going to have you make some plays. And, like, it felt like the next two drives, like, um, it felt like it was all about Michael Hardman, right? He got the first touchdown for the Chiefs right after that. And then he had a big end around play, I think, which went for a lot of yards, right? I don't have my notes in front of me right now. I kind of lost the notebook. So going off the top a little bit here. But um, yeah, I mean, what he does, you know, for his teammates, they all seem to love him so much. And I can tell how much they love him because they really want to... Like, the offensive line, in my opinion, for the Chiefs is not really that talented. It comes off as mediocre at best. And, okay, mediocre sounds like a negative connotation, but I actually just mean it's, like, average, right? And while these guys, like, are good players, you know, there's no stud, single stud O-lineman that's, you know, making key blocks or, like can shut down one side of the field like a Tristan Wirfs or an Ali Marpe on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, you know, these guys just actually, like, fight to protect Mahomes. I love it so much. You know, it really shows, like, when you watch the team, I think the Chiefs are, like, one of the more fun teams to watch in the league, right? Because, for one, I mean, their defense isn't all that great, and I'm going to get more into that later, but... The offense just plays with so much synergy 
everything is just being ran to perfection. Like, obviously, there's a couple missteps, a couple bad routes here and there, but that's just part of a game, really. So, but, like, first, I mean, you have the offensive creativity of Enemy and Andy Reid, and then you have, you know, the quarterback himself, Patrick Mahomes, and then you've got, you've got all these, like, different targets, Kelsey, Edwards Hilaire, Le'Veon Bell, um, Tyreek Hill, of course, Byron Pringle, Sammy Watkins, uh, the Washington guy, I think Demarcus Washington, uh, what, whatever his name is, right? No disrespect, but all these guys, you know, seem to get to their spots on a routine basis, and if they're in the area to make a play, like, they're making a play, like, you, you'll see, like, some of those times where, like, receivers kind of just jog off when they don't have the faith in their quarterback, or, you know, if they're not gelling with the offense right like what happened with AJ Green early in the season or Hollywood Brown halfway through the season where they were at odds with the organization or the quarterback etc and they seem to be giving a very half half uh half ass effort right and you just never see that these guys truly want to play for Patrick Patrick wants to play for them it's a beautiful game to watch I mean I always love watching Chiefs games, and I never really cared about the Chiefs organization. I don't hate them. I don't love them or anything, but it, it reminds me of watching the Golden State Warriors in basketball, right? And especially when they like just had you know Curry, Thompson, Harrison Barnes, and Draymond Green. It's just so much passing going on, and then like you know everyone's everyone's just doing their job, and at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Because commitment and your work ethic can beat out talent in some situations. Now for the Buccaneers, I mean, Tom Brady was obviously going to elevate this team. And he's done it in so many ways. I mean, the defense coming into this season it was my main concern, right? This defense has seriously, seriously taken off and blown my expectations. And these guys, they have a bunch of young guys on their team. Like, their defensive line has a lot of vets, right? Dominic Su, Shaquille Barrett, and um, what's his name? Three Fingers. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, no disrespect again. But these young guys like Devin White, Jordan Whitehead, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield. All young guys with not so much experience, not so much name recognition, trying to establish themselves as a legit defense in the league. And they play like veterans, you know? They don't make stupid penalties. They always play calm, cool, collected. And they seem to have a very determined approach to their game. And going back to how Tom Brady's a leader, you know, there was a piece that came out about how Devin White was really upset about um, not making the Pro Bowl. It might have been Levante David, I'm not sure. I believe it was Devin White. But anyways, Tom Brady was like, dude, like, that doesn't matter about anything. You're not even going to play in the Pro Bowl anymore. We're, we're going to the Super Bowl. And it's just that confidence that Tom Brady instills in these players, which makes him so special. He doesn't just play the quarterback position. He's the team leader. In his first season, he took that role, basically. And... I mean, even Bruce Arians said how 
Sometimes he just lets Tom Brady coach games, you know? Whether or not that's true, it doesn't matter. Tom Brady has control over the whole team. And that's not to put it in, like, a negative perspective. But, like, the Bucks will go as Tom Brady goes. But the Bucks will go even if Tom Brady doesn't go. And what that means is that Tom Brady has shown in two games, right, that he doesn't need to be prime Brady. He doesn't need to be the guy that we saw win MVPs. He doesn't need to be the guy that led a 28-3 comeback, right? He doesn't need to be the guy that had the greatest statistical performance in a Super Bowl loss. I'm referring to his game against the Eagles, the second one against Nick Foles. Um, But Tom Brady, as a leader, will push this team to its heights always. And I think that plays such an underrated part of him being the greatest of all time. Because when you put when I put all my hatred and you know bias against Brady aside from me being a Falcons fan and from me just having to deal with these obnoxious Patriots fans in Massachusetts all day, Tom Brady's a very lovable character, right? And maybe if you're an AFC East rival, this probably does not apply to you. And I understand that completely. But Tom Brady's a very lovable character. You know, yeah, he's a little bit corny sometimes with the uh, hype up posts um, with the Eminem songs and stuff like the thing that him and Gronk were doing after the game um, against the Packers. But he's a good dude, family man. I mean, he's always, you know, he always holds himself in such good regard in press conference and stuff like that. And he just really gives off that vibe like he's someone that you want to play for. Someone that you want to rise to the top with, right? And the same can be said about Mahomes. So that's just my little bit on, you know, what separates Mahomes and Brady as leaders from the rest of the league. Because obviously they're both amazing quarterbacks, but they're definitely very different quarterbacks. But these, But this leadership quality is something that you can put them in the same regard. So, um, let's get right into what I think of what's going to happen tomorrow, right? So, let me think. Do I want to start with the Bucks or the Chiefs? Let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Kansas City Chiefs have a couple dilemmas on their hand, right? During the game versus Buffalo, they lost their tackle, Eric Fisher. With an Achilles injury. That's something you never want to have happen. Before the big game. An offensive lineman out. A starting offensive lineman at that too. And I'd say Eric Fisher is probably their second best O-lineman in general. So again. Not great news right off the bat. Second injury that seemed major. uh, William Gay. Right there. Linebacker. Will also be out. And this team had a little bit of a COVID scare in the middle of the week, but I believe that's all cleared up now. Um, It was regarding their center, Daniel Kilgore, but he has been cleared. But these are just minor things that, you know, can add up because it does seem a little bit chaotic. I don't want to dive too deep into what happened, I think, two days ago, two days ago or yesterday. But Andy Reid's son got into a car crash while he was under the influence 
and he will not be coaching the team on Sunday, and he is their outside linebackers coach. Again, something, you know, these things all seem minor, but when you're going into the Super Bowl, the smallest distractions become the greatest. And the smallest thing that can throw your team off its game can be the death of you. So the Chiefs, in my opinion, and I thought this right after the game anyway, um, but I think the Chiefs are underdogs to win this game. And I know people are hyping them up because this is, you know, back-to-back, blah, 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 they're best quarterback in the league, all this, best wide receivers, best tight end, blah, blah, blah. But this is going to be a very hard game for them. Understandably so, they're going up against an elite defense in Tampa. And is Mahomes still fully healthy from the toe injury? Now, we saw a little bit of changes to the playbook um, during the Buffalo game. There was very little deep ball usage, right? There was only a couple routes thrown, one to Tyreek Hill, and I think one to Demarcus Robinson. Not sure on that. But anyway, that minor usage I don't think can happen against the Buccaneers. You're going to need, you know, your whole offense to be functioning. And even, you know, if you want to say like, okay, that's just minor because they were just winning the whole game, which first of all, the first drive they needed to come back, obviously, when they were down 9 nothing, um, they stopped throwing the ball to the left. Like if you compare every single throw on Patrick Mahomes on like a spread graph sheet, you'll see a bunch of dots on the right-hand side in the in, uh, short to intermediate field, and you'll see a lot fewer routes on the left side from the short to the intermediate field. Now, two weeks seems enough to recover from a turf, turf, sorry, turf toe injury. But, again, this is another storyline that you're going to want to see. He did look healthy from a mobility standpoint, and that's going to be very important with this offensive line. Down one more lineman, and an offensive line that I just don't think has a lot of talent in general, going up against this monstrous defensive line, which has caused havoc for Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, who from a talent perspective have better offensive lines than the Kansas City Chiefs. This is where Andy Reid really needs to flex his prowess. You know, show them why you're regarded as one of the most brilliant offensive minds in the NFL. And same with Biennemi. I mean, Biennemi has been, I don't want to say blackballed, but he's really gotten the short end of the stick when it comes to coaching jobs. This is a guy that should be coaching um, 100%. And I guess his only offer, as it appears to be, was with the Texans. And, yeah, I mean, he did the right thing by declining that. Or even if he didn't decline and they declined him, it's a good thing that he's not coaching the Texans because his reputation would have gone down the drain there with that awful, awful organization, the worst organization in sports right now. So I think he has a chip on his shoulder because it's like, all right, like I'm the offensive coordinator of the best team in the league and I can't get a head coaching job better than the Texans. He should have a chip on his shoulder and he should come out, you know, with a lot more creativity, understand the feel for the game, feel for the defense early on and, you know, read and react. The Super Bowl is such a long game, you know, compared to the 
regular season, which I know sounds stupid from a physical standpoint where it's like, okay, they're all 60 minutes long. Uh, but every single play matters. One big play can shift the entire momentum of the game. And football is a sport that's really based on momentum, right? And that's none more so evident when in the Super Bowl, right? So uh, my big keys for the game are, you know, Patrick Mahomes obviously has to come out gunning. I really hope he's fully healthy and ready to throw to anywhere on the field, which I believe he will. Um, Who's going to be the wide receiver that steps up? Because you can tell that this team, the Buccaneers team, will lock down on Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. And there has to be a third target, whether that be uh, Demarcus Robinson or a Byron Pringle or whoever else. Um, Something needs to happen, right? You can't be reliant on one target. They were able to get Travis Kelsey, you know, easily on the last game. And, of course, Tyreek Hill uh, easily on the last game, mainly because um, the Bills were one of the worst at defending tight ends. And Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill just does some incredible stuff. And sometimes you can stop it. Sometimes you just can't do anything about it. And that end around, or not even that end around, it was like a slant route. (coughs) Sorry about that. It was like a slant route, which he caught on one side and took it 60 yards around the field on the other side, right? Um, it just makes no sense, right, how, how he just is so ridiculously fast. But that those are my two offensive keys for the game. Who's going to be the other target? And Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid really, you know, flexing their muscles and showing off all that play-calling ability that has made them revered as some of the greatest coaches. From a defensive standpoint, Chris Jones needs to show up. Um, I know I haven't spent a lot of time talking about this defense aside from labeling it as, you know, less than the hype. But this team, I don't think, has a great pass rush. Now, we saw Chris Jones cause a lot of havoc, right? He's amazing, for sure. But uh, Clark is just such an inconsistent pass rusher sometimes. You don't know what you're getting with him. Sometimes he's totally invisible for a whole game, and sometimes he'll look absolutely dominant. They need the dominant version to come out against Brady and the Bucks. This offensive line that they're going up against has two all-pros, and overall is just a very solid line. I'd say the weakest point is Donovan Smith, but as we saw against the Saints, he shut down defensive end Cameron Jordan in that game, who is probably the be- would be the best pass rusher on or would be the best edge rusher on the Chiefs right now so you know developing a pass rush is going to be very important because again I don't think this team has the best coverage players Tyron Matthew is obviously really good I like the rookie Legereus Sneed a lot but Brashad Breeland is going to be the guy that gets picked on you know Tom Brady will always find the weakest link in your secondary and be sure to find a way to just attack and attack Like he did with Kevin King. And they need to find a way to be able to, one, hide Rashad Bieland. And even if he is getting abused, that can't be the reason that you're giving up a lot of points. You know? So those are my main keys for the Chiefs in order to win this game. Now let's flip it to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, I mean, let's just start with the offense. Well, let's just start with the game as a whole, right? 
Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the first ever team to play a home Super Bowl game. Now, off the bat, that just sounds incredible, right? Home field advantage in the biggest game of the season. But I just, I think it's so improbable to predict how much of an advantage that is. Since for one, it's never happened before. And while you can say like, okay, uh, they have the home field advantage, so they can be a lot more relaxed. Does it work in reverse in the sense that you have more pressure when you're at home? I don't know. I guess we will find out on Sunday. I don't expect Tom Brady to fall victim to the pressure. I was more so thinking about the young guys on the defense. So let's start with the offense. Um, I know we all want to just start with Tom Brady, but I want to start with the running game. Uh, Leonard Fournette has been running really well the entire playoffs. He looks more like the guy that was drafted fourth overall by the Jacksonville Jaguars back in the day rather than the guy that was um, picked up after he was cut by the Jaguars, right? He is running hard for one, breaking tackles, but he's also proving to be a really impactful player in the passing game, something which I didn't really see a lot of. Now, whether that be just because I didn't see that much of the Jags or whether, you know, his usage had gone down, whatever it may be, I just didn't know he was this effective in the passing game as he has been. And with the return of Ronald Jones, another hard runner who's also been looking really good uh, in the short time that he's played, um, this is going to be a team that is so dynamic on offense. I mean, I know I've said this anytime I've talked about the Bucks this season, but this is by far to me the most loaded roster in the NFL, hands down. You know, you've got the greatest quarterback of all time as your starter. You've got two dynamic running backs, and Keyshawn Vaughn, who was their fourth-round pick this year, is a really good pass-catching running back who doesn't get a lot of attention, um, and he's not like a major factor in their offense, but if they choose to use him, he can be impactful, right? Then you've got a receiving core that I love from top to bottom. You know, you've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who've proven to be a dynamic duo for years. You've picked up Antonio Brown, who, while he was out two weeks ago, um, I believe he's going to be healthy, and he's Antonio Brown. I mean, he's not the guy that he was on the Steelers when he was racking up like 1,800 yards and 10 touchdowns, but he is still a very, very good wide receiver, and to have that guy as your number three is amazing, right? But even beyond those guys, we saw Scotty Miller come in and make a massive play against the Green Bay Packers to give him that touchdown before the end of the first half, and he's a guy that's, you know, been pegged as you know one of Tom Brady's low-key favorites he's one of those little short guys that's really fast runs his routes hard and will make the play on the other hand and this is a guy I don't think a lot of people know about is Tyler Johnson a rookie out of Minnesota uh, fell to them in the fifth round and I knew from the minute they got him that this would be a fantastic pick Tyler Johnson going into that college season was mocked as a first-rounder, but with an inconsistent season with uh, injuries and some drop issues in his final year at Minnesota, as well as being outmatched against his teammate Rashad Bateman, who we'll talk about when we get to the mock draft, um, he fell all the way down to the fifth round. 
that was a sensational pickup. This guy still has uh, one of the best hands in the rookie class, right? Uh, he can make any catch. I think he runs uh, really good routes. Uh, he had a 4.78 in his 40 time in the combine, but I think he's faster than that. I don't think he's that slow. It looks like um, he's he's like a really good low-key option, you know. If they need someone to dump the ball to, if all the, you know, the big three height guys are being covered down and locked down, Tyler Johnson's a great option to have on the field. And we haven't even talked about the tight ends. You know, they haven't used O.J. Howard this year that much, so I'm not going to really talk about him, although I think he's really good. But Cameron Brait and uh, Rob Gronkowski, of course, just sensational duo. Cam Brait, more of like a pass-catching tight end. And Rob Gronkowski, while he's made some big passing, uh, catching plays here and there, um, I think his main asset to this team has been aiding the blocking. And now let's get right to the blocking. This offensive line is ridiculously elite. With Ali Marpe and Tristan Wirfs as your two All-Pros. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, a rookie, for one. And Donovan Smith as your left tackle. Um, I think Ryan Jensen as your center. And name of the right guard slipping in my mind right now. But in its entirety, the offensive line graded out really well this season. And that's something that Brady needs to succeed. Because, again, when we talk about Brady, like, yeah, he's super accurate. He knows how to make correct reads. Knows how to get rid of the ball um, when he needs to. But he can't offer mobility. So if he's getting rushed a lot, you know, that creates a problem for the Buccaneers offense. And so the offensive line is going to be the biggest key for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hands down. You're going to get your receiving production because you have three top-notch receivers and you have two other guys that can make plays as well. You have three tight ends that can make plays and one of those tight ends is one of the greatest tight ends of all time and is an gr absolutely great blocker. In the running game, you have two starting caliber running backs, as well as a third that can offer versatility in the pass-catching um, offense. And that's just insane. Like, I believe Le'Veon Bell's on that team, too. So, or not Le'Veon Bell, not, uh, LeSean McCoy. And I don't think he'll be used, but again, I mean, LeSean McCoy's on that team, so I guess he's worth mentioning. He's one of my favorite players ever. Shady McCoy. One of, had one of the coolest runs, coolest primes ever. Um, I hope he ends up in the hall one day. Whether that happens, I don't know. But let's move on to the defense. Uh, the defensive line looked so much better um, against the Packers, and that has largely in part to do with the return of their young defensive tackle, Vita Vea. And that just adds to the ferocity of this line, which already includes Nadamakan Sue, Shaquille Barrett, and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. And on top of this line, right, you have Devin White and Levante David as your two linebackers. And then you have Antoine Winfield, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Jordan Whitehead, and Sean Murphy Bunting as your five secondary guys. And that, while like name recognition-wise, that doesn't sound amazing. These guys have all been on the top of their game. And the whole defense, really, from top to bottom, has just been in the prime, in the peak of their uh, playing while um, going through this playoff run. And really, for the second half of the season, they've just been going nuts. 
except for when they played like the Saints, obviously. But um, there is no stopping Patrick Mahomes, right? Because, for one, the Chiefs' offensive coordinator is super creative, and um, he's always going to find a new way to counteract uh, defenses, read, whether it be read or be enemy. Um, they're geniuses, right? They're always going to find a way. You know, if one coverage is shutting down the Chiefs, then they're going to find another way to do that. Um, and I do think, you know, they're going to outsmart Todd Bowles. But if these guys can play their positions, Tyreek Hill will do Tyreek Hill things, right? The best thing you can do is have two men on him. Because he will break off a play if you have single coverage on him. I think it's better off if you let Travis Kelsey get the short routes rather than give up these big plays. Because what I said was big plays are the big momentum shifters. And so I think the secondary is going to have a really hard time, you know, dealing with Patrick Mahomes. But there is a way that you can contain Mahomes. And that's because of the deficiency in the Chiefs offensive line with the injuries that happened to them including uh, recently Eric Fisher. I believe one of their tackles was out for the year all season. I'll get back to you on that. I'll correct myself if I'm wrong. But this defensive line against that offensive line, to me, like on paper, that just looks like an easy win for the Bucks D-line based on how they performed against each of the teams they've played in the playoffs so far. Um the linebacking core, I mean, Devin White is a really good run stopper, and I think so is Levante David. I don't really like these guys in coverage, so I think Travis Kelsey's going to eat against them, as he did in the regular season. But um, I think you take those, you take those, you know. You have an offense that is high power, high pace, and can gun at any time. You just can't give up the big plays. Try to contain the running game because... Um, the Chiefs, I feel like in the playoffs, they always have this one running back. What's his name? Uh, Williams, right? And he's not on the roster anymore. But they have Daryl Williams now, and he kind of steps into the same role. And he could be like that surprise guy that creates a massive impact coming the Super Bowl. And you're just like, wait, who is this guy? Again, just try to make sure that your pass rush is working. Because that is your best point of attack against this Chiefs offense. So that's really all I have as far as keys to the game. You know, just a light review of the Buccaneers' keys to the game. Um, offensive perspective, you know, just be versatile. You have all the weapons uh, in the world. Uh, the offensive line needs to be functioning and holding off Chris Jones as well as Clark. Uh, but from a defense perspective, and I think this is the biggest matchup of the game overall, but this is also a major key for the Bucs. That pass rush against the Chiefs whole line. It has to be working for the Bucks, or else they will torch them. Because they don't have anyone that can keep up speed-wise with Tyreek Hill. They don't really have anyone that can match Travis Kelsey's route running ability. And they have the Chiefs offense, in terms of its receivers, just have a bunch of speed demons. And Patrick Mahomes can get them the ball if they get behind him. So, yeah, the biggest thing for the defense just has to be the DL versus the OL. And that's really all there is to it. That being said, my prediction is I got to go 30-20 Tampa Bay and Tom Brady 
Tampa Bay, I think, gets its first Super Bowl ring. And Tom Brady picks up his seventh ring. Um, for one, I know this sounds cliche and corny, uh, corny, but it just feels like a storybook ending, right? Tom, the GOAT, at his age 43 season, goes to a new home for new ventures in the NFC and gets all the way to the Super Bowl. It feels like a storybook ending for him to get that another ring. But from a more serious perspective, um, I do think that the Chiefs' offensive line is very concerning to me. I think that the Chiefs' defense against this Bucks offense is very concerning. I don't think this will be a game where you'll see a lot of turnovers, but the, sec that, but the second that one turnover does occur, it's going to be massive. And I think there will be one by you know, the Chiefs' offense, whether it be a fumble or a interception regardless uh, i think the bucks will win this game i know 10 points sounds a little bit too much but i think the bucks will have a one touchdown lead throughout the game and you know at the end they'll get like a field goal and that'll basically seal the deal as a dagger so 30 20 tampa bay wins their uh super bowl tom brady gets a seventh and after that you know i'll talk to you guys back on this show about how I was perfectly right and how I totally planned this game out and saw it coming. Nah, nah, but seriously though, uh, I'm so excited for this game. This is like the most exciting Super Bowl for me since obviously my Falcons were in the Super Bowl. Um, but of course I don't have uh, my heart attached to this game, so I'm not exactly worried about being let down. This is the, mad the greatest quarterback matchup I've ever seen. And in, in my opinion, uh, that's obviously disputable by whoever wants to, you know, say this is or that is whatever. But I mean, just team standpoint, I think this is the two most loaded teams I've seen go at it. Right. The Chiefs, who've been, you know, marked as unstoppable almost all year and who seem to have kicked it to another gear in these playoffs against the Bucks, who top to bottom just have so many pro bowlers or former former pro bowlers, all pro and former all pros and greatest quarterback of all time on their team. I mean, this is just insane to me. And I can't wait to watch this tomorrow. I hope everyone has a fun setup. Uh, I'm going to be at my boy's house in his nice little theater room. I'm going to have some, you know, good food, some wings going, some drinks going, uh, etc., uh, let me know what you guys have as a setup, and uh, I think we got a little bit of time to talk about Carson Wentz, so, nah, 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 we'll, we'll talk about Carson Wentz if it does happen this weekend, if it doesn't, we'll talk about it on the next episode, I want everybody to enjoy the Super Bowl, make sure you catch the game, make sure you're partying safely, of course, um, you know, with friends that are quarantined, you know, don't want to catch no cases or whatever, but... You know, be safe out there, you know, enjoy the game, whether it be with your family or a small group of friends. And yeah, I mean, we're all about to watch the game tomorrow, man. I'm so excited. So on that note, um, I'll say good night. I hope everyone has a great day tomorrow. And I'll probably talk to you guys on Monday, maybe Tuesday, depending on how bad my Super Bowl hangover is. But yeah, that'll do it for tonight, folks. Thank you and good night.